thank you Warren for covering for me <laughs> and I heard Christopher give a incredible fantastic uh, talk last time and thank you and uh, sorry I wasn't able to make it uh, it wasn't that because I was sick then he covered he was gonna he was gonna do it anyway but unfortunately I was sick I wasn't able to make it <laughs> so I missed it so can you give it again you can wing it <laughs> okay I'm sure uh, in the future it would be wonderful for you to be able to guide us through that yeah okay thank you so I'm making the request yeah, thank you. Five years. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mentioned uh, a few times that one of the incredible qualities of the Dharma is that it invites you to investigate it. It doesn't hide from you. It doesn't uh, have. It doesn't have uh, hidden agendas that you can only discover after you're already hooked. And then you say, oh my God, it's too late. I didn't know this was involved. But all the aspect of the Dharma is up for you uh, to investigate. As a matter of fact, uh, you're supposed to investigate. You're supposed to question it. Okay. And another quality of the Dharma is, uh, in terms of the culture of the, of, of the Dharma, is that uh, the Dharma is not set up with any sort of... Uh, hierarchy, any set hierarchy. Uh, the, the hierarchy, as far as the Dharma is concerned, is, depends on wisdom. Whoever has more wisdom, that's the one who receives, who needs, who's supposed to get more respect. Uh, and this, the, uh, there's an example where in the Vinaya, when you're studying the Vinaya, and then you come up with a list of qualifications what are the qualifications for someone to be the leader of, of a monastery? And the first thing that is said, the person must be at, must, must have had, uh, must have been holding the vows for at least 10 years. And then, and there are these other, uh, other lists of categories. They say, but if within five years the person has mastered those, uh, uh, those uh, lists of uh, Dharma already, then that person is qualified. Okay. But, since the Vinaya is, uh, is a set of instructions, um, mainly what is called, mainly related to what is called the outer signs of the Dharma. So there are certain protocols, certain things that must be done just for the sake of, of appearance sake. Okay. But as far as the inner world is concerned, uh, uh, let's say for example, someone could have been uh, in, the, in, the, in the ordained Sangha for 20 years and someone else became uh, ordained only uh, maybe five years, uh, only been ordained for five years. But that person who's been ordained for five years already masters all the, mastered all the, the teachings and the meditations and things like that. And the other person who's been there for 20 years didn't really do much compared to the other one. But as far as for appearance is concerned, the person who has been there for 20 years is shown more respect than the one who's been there for five years. But as far as inwardly is concerned, the person who's been there for 20 years, if he knows that person knows more than them, that person will show that person respect in their heart, in their mind. But for the sake of appearance, they will show to be, uh, to be like a senior, senior to the other one. Okay? And that's one of the uh, beautiful things about the Dharma. When uh, someone asks you, I don't know if people have asked you, like, okay, how do you, what do you do to get to this next, next level? But when they're talking about next level, they're talking more in the sense of you know, hierarchy. Like, okay, who's qualified to, to do this? Who's qualified to do that? Uh, like, for example, uh, who's qualified to conduct a marriage in Buddhism? There's no such thing. Okay. Uh, the, the Buddha didn't write uh, rules as to what are the qualifications for somebody who's conduct a marriage. Okay, uh, somehow this has fallen to those who have uh, taken on robes, but but it, it doesn't mean that 
they were supposed to be doing it. Uh, and this example is given because um, uh, as far as the Dharma is concerned, everyone is just a practitioner. Everyone is just a practitioner and you're all seeking the same goal. Either you're all Hinayana practitioners, you're seeking Nirvana, or you're all Mahayana practitioners and you're seeking Buddhahood. Okay. And you can do either one, either in robes or outside of robes. If being in robes will help you get there faster, then you get in robes. If you can do it without being in robes, then you do it without being in robes. And there are examples of practitioners who have uh, put on the robes who have achieved it, and there are practitioners who have not put on robes and who have also achieved the same results. And when somehow the those who were wearing robes somehow it was becoming uh, somewhat of a hindrance to those who were wearing robes in a sense that they were because they were getting a lot of respect they were getting a lot of uh, uh, praise uh, it, the cultures they started to sort of uh, develop pride because they were they were because they were wearing the robes and that's when the teaching of Vimalakirti was became so key. Vimalakirti was a, a lay person and it's sort of like a, oh, I'm looking for a very beautiful word, set them straight. <laughs> okay, so the, the, the monks went to visit Vimalakirti uh, by the, uh, on, on behalf of the Buddha and, and when they arrived there, Vimalakirti basically put them all to shame. Uh, because there was this sense of pride developing within them because oh, I'm superior because I'm wearing robes. Okay. So, and Vimalakirti showed them that he's superior to them because of his attainments. Okay. So your attainment is, establishes you, uh, establishes your superiority, your superiority. And that superiority is not something that you, you sort of go around talking about, you, you go show, showing off. It's just an inner something just for your inner world, for your, for your own mind, okay? Now, when Mahayana uh, established the, not, well, I can't say established, but uh, within Mahayana there is Sutra, Yana, and then Vajrayana, okay? Uh, Vajrayana is supposed to be uh, uh, the most important thing about Vajrayana is secrecy. Uh, you're not supposed to... The only people who, who should know that you are a Vajrayana practitioner are the ones who actually sat in the, in the initiation with you. As uh, uh, in the good old days, <laughs> uh, in, at, uh, in, at Nalanda Monastery, for example, you have uh, people who are... Who are uh, strict followers of Hinayana, of Hinayana ideals, people who were strict followers of Mahayana ideals, and who were still living in the same place. And then and there were also people who were following Vajrayana. And those who were following Vajrayana, no one knew if they were following Vajrayana or not, except for those who actually maybe if they, if they sat in the same initiation with them. So once you've gone through that initiation, you don't go out somehow trying to let others know that, oh, look, look now I've achieved a higher state than you. Now I'm, I'm doing Vajrayana. Okay? You're not, no one is supposed to know. No one is supposed to know that. Okay? And everything connected to that is supposed to be kept secret. But unfortunately, with secrecy and with some of the teachings that are involved in there, there's, there, there, there's, that's where there's a lot of danger for what I've been talking about for the past uh, two, two classes, glamour. Creating a world, uh, uh, imagining things that are not there. Okay. And, uh, and making uh, realities out of, out, of, out of things that are supposed to be just imaginations, imaginary. Okay. And also, because of some of the uh, intricate and complex things involved with that there's the danger for someone who's not prepared and and the danger is not the the danger of 
you know, you might abuse the powers given to you. I mean, you wish you could actually get to that level where you can abuse such things. I'm talking about the danger of psychological abuse, self-inflicted, or even inflict them on others. Okay. I gave you the initiation. You're supposed to do whatever I tell you. If you don't do whatever I tell you, you're gonna go to you're gonna go to the worst hell that exists. And then, for you, you had no idea what you were gonna get involved with in the first place. You were told that this is the, it's the best thing, so you got involved with it because it's, you heard it was the best thing. But only later on did you find out what are the things that are involved. And not only later on did you find out what are the things that are involved, there are a lot of things, that, a lot of preparations that you needed for psychological safety that you did not, you didn't have the, uh, the opportunity to train yourself in. Okay? And you go around, uh, you know, talking to people, uh, so what initiation did you take? Oh, I'm, you know, I, I took, uh, I got uh, Vajabhirava, uh, I got uh, Chakasamvara, and uh, when His Holiness was over there, you know, I got that. And, and, uh, and right now I'm studying the common, great commentary on how to destroy the mental afflictions according to Yamantaka. I mean, you're not supposed to be having these kind of conversations. The only, the only place where this discussion is supposed to take place is the one who initiated you when that person is explaining the, sim, the, the sim, symbology? Symbolism. Symbolism, thank you. <laughs> the symbolism of what took place. Because at first they're supposed to shock you with the symbols, and then there's supposed to be an explanation. There's supposed to be something that, because the, uh, something within you is supposed to uh, be drawn, some, something within you is supposed to be uh, uh, drawn out through the symbols that are, that are used. And, and, and only because of earlier preparation will these symbols draw out these certain things for you. Okay. If someone, for example, had uh, uh, um, this is a very, very bad example, but unfortunately, it's the only one I've got. <laughs> if someone had a, f- a fear of spiders, for example, right, and one of the, and then there was supposed to be a preparation in relation to the spider as a symbol that is supposed to evoke some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of wonderful realization in your mind, and then you go into this initiation. There are no initiations that I know of where they use spiders, okay? <laughs> so you go into this initiation, you would then have the preparation, and then spiders, then there's a spider. Okay? What, what is, what is going to come out of your mind when you say this thing? So you're going to be sabotaged because of that, because you were not properly prepared to deal with that symbol. Okay? Those symbols are not just there for you to do whatever you want to do with them because they're just symbols. Okay. They're supposed to extract from you specific reactions. They're supposed to extract from you specific realizations. Okay. That's why the preparation is there for. And another uh, uh, danger with, because it's secret, uh, you feel a sense of uh, inclusion ex- and exclusion. Like those who don't know it, they're excluded. They're not part of the club. That's not the purpose of the secrecy. The purpose of the secrecy is to protect others who are not prepared, first of all, and to protect yourself from sort of like uh, uh, making yourself become like a, a, a bag with, with holes in it, become like a, 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 a leaky something, or leaky something, leaky sack. <laughs> I don't know what the word, I don't know what it comes like. What? A sieve. A sieve. Yeah. It's like a strainer. Like a strainer, yeah. Well, the strainer is already built with holes in it. This one, you're not, you, you, you're not expected to have any holes in you, but you didn't go to the preparation, so there are some holes in you. So when, when you go in and uh, talk about these secrecies, you're sort of like you're leaking. Gossip. So, huh? Gossip. Yeah, and, 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 and all that does is just... Whatever, whatever momentum you are building, you're, it's, like, it's like you're building momentum and you're destroying the momentum at the same time. Okay. 
And and unfortunately, the worst kind of secrecy, the worst kind of abuse that happens, not, well, I'm saying abuse, uh, the worst danger is the danger of abuse where you have no idea what you're getting involved with and you want to do the best that you can and you, have no, you don't really understand what's going on and you sort of start to create what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. And then you have delusions, you have uh, uh, well delusions, you have delusions that takes place and instead of properly dealing with these delusions you instead uh, ascribe to them some sort of high realization okay uh, and also if you are a recipient of deliberate abuse, you think of it as some sort of high, uh, uh, high, higher aspect of your initiation. You think it's uh, somehow it's some sort of a wonderful thing that's happening to you, okay? And it's still because of you, you are being a bit delusional. You're ascribing a reality to something that it doesn't have, okay? Um, although the, the, the Vajrayana path uses a lot of imagination it is not the Vajrayana path is not making trying to make it a conclusion that the world is imaginary it's just another imagination there's a power latent in, in imagining that can help you on the path. That and and what is it that what is it that it's helping you with? It's helping you with the same thing that the Hinayanis is trying to do. The one who's not involved in Vajrayana whatsoever. Destroy the mental afflictions. Here's a way of to destroy the mental afflictions. Stay away from the from from what is stimulating the mental afflictions. One. If you cannot get away from it, okay, here are some tools, here are some tricks to use to destroy the mental afflictions. There's this kind of uh, way of seeing things that helps you destroy the mental afflictions. It still destroy mental afflictions. Okay? It's not to one day create an imaginary world to on top of the delusion that you already have. Okay? That's not the purpose of it. Okay? Uh, so, Because of these misunderstandings, lacks of prep, lack of preparation, uh, and the abuses that take place are not necessarily um, intentional. Not necessarily that someone intentionally wants to abuse another. The person who, is partici- who may become the abuser could, is, is someone who also did not fully understand, did not fully get prepared to be in the role that they're playing. And then they have their own cliches, and then when uh, the person is placed in, in, a, in a particular context, those cliches get inflated, they get out of hand, and the person, for whatever reason, becomes an abuser, even though they did not intend to abuse. Okay. And this brought me to, uh, uh, brings me to a, a, a beautiful lesson that I learned just recently. It's about uh, the klesha called anger. Okay. <laughs> now, within the, as far as Mahayana is concerned, anger is a particularly is a particular uh, um, unique kind of uh, enemy. And the reason that it's a unique kind of enemy because it sort of goes against Mahayana ideal because it's. It is uh, intention in your mind to harm another sentient being. It is intention in your mind to distance yourself from another sentient being, which is completely opposite of what Mahayana ideal is, is, is about. So when you're training yourself to stay away from anger, you go through the, you know, the very various levels. Stay away from the object that makes you angry. And if you're able to uh, not get 
uh, overtly angry in front of the object, then what happens, what should you do when, you, when, the, when the object is inciting anger within you? And, and then, and then there are all these different various ways, all the way to uh, the so-called Vajrayana method of dealing with the anger. Okay. The interesting thing about uh, anger uh, is that the interesting lesson that I, that I learned is one can have a perfect um, perfect control over anger in the Hinayana way. And yet, as far as Mahayana is concerned, they haven't really done much. So, if, some, if you're able to stay away from the object, if the object is about to uh, incite anger within you, then you, you don't allow yourself to get angry, and the best thing you can do is to stay away, then you stay away. This is the Hinayana method. I mean, this is a, a method uh, that is unique or, uh, to, the, to the Hinayana. Then, then you're able to stay in the presence of that, of that uh, object that is inciting anger within you, and you're able to do some tricks. Okay? And all this, all the tricks that you're doing is to not let yourself get angry. All that is... Hinayana. Okay. And the person could be, you know, beating you up and then there's not any sign on you whatsoever that you're, you're angry. But inside you, your mind is running a million miles trying to not get angry. Okay. That is a beautiful practice. Okay. And you're learning, uh, earning a lot of wonderful merit. Okay. So just not getting angry is not enough as far as the Mahayana uh, uh, is concerned. For, for now, for this practice of practicing patience to become Mahayana, in that moment, you have to be concerned about the other person. In that moment, you have to sort of react in such a way where your reaction is benefiting the other person. If you cannot f get over just not, not trying to make yourself not get angry, it's not yet Mahayana practice. But if somehow you can be able to get over trying to not get yourself angry, and in, at, in, in the same moment, what your mind is trying to do is, how can I help this person? Not with the idea, oh, look, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to get some merit. Let me see how much merit I can get out of this. Okay? That's not Mahayana. Okay? But if you genuinely have concern for that person, and you want to react in such a way where your reaction will be beneficial for this person who is now getting you angry, then you are, you, you, you are now in the Mahayana path. You may not necessarily have, have a brilliant idea, a brilliant response, and matter of fact, uh, you, may have, uh, you may think that you have a, a way of responding that will help the person, and then you react that way, and then it just makes the person even worse okay still because your intention was not to get the person uh, worse than they were before because your intention was actually to benefit the person I mean really benefit the person not thinking let me try to benefit this person so I can get some merit but really concerned about this person how can I really help this person and then you listen to what the intention may have suggested and you acted from that intention, then you are, you are at that moment acting from a Mahayana perspective. Okay? And the Vajrayana needs that as a basis. If you don't have this as a basis, if you, or you can think about, oh, Yamantaka is very powerful, is a very powerful being to get rid of anger. Let me kill this person with, 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 in the Vajrayana way. Okay? That would be a powerful way to get rid of it. So this person would not stop bothering me. That's, that's not even Hinayana. Forget about calling it Mahayana or even Vajrayana. Okay? For it to be Vajrayana, compassion must have been brought to a point where it just boils over, to, so to speak. You're so compassionately concerned for this person, you need for a drastic way to deal with it. 
And the drastic way that you may deal with it is to slap the person. And when you slap the person, compassion is pouring from you. Okay? And if you cannot slap the person with complete love and compassion, don't do it. Even though it's written in a very secret book, Yamantaka slaps the person and, then Yaman, and the person becomes, uh, 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 and the person was helped. Don't delude yourself thinking because you read it somewhere and now you're doing it, so therefore you are doing some high practice. Okay. Yes. Uh, now that you're mentioned about anger, I I feel anger like seven hours ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I just realized that my mother-in-law came to the city, and I became, you know, very angry and I started walking, trying to to tell my husband to say something and be careful with the sound. And this anger started getting, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. Just upon hearing that she's in town. Sorry? You just heard that she's in town and your anger yeah, started already? I mean, wow. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then she, and she was here and planned to take my, my son and, mm. and all the stuff. And I uh. became like, you know, remember what she had been doing mm. and how mean she had been to mm. me, my son, mm. his, his son yeah. as well. Yeah. So, so I said, I, I need to, you know, I'm a spiritual person. Like, why? I'm so angry, and I start. You know, I, I was walking like mm. angry, mm. and I start. You know, just just trying to breathe, and, and you know, say, okay, I'm angry. I'm very angry, <laughs> very very angry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I started, you know, trying to calm myself. But I was trying at that moment, like, to reach any kind of practice that helps me to transform that anger, because I. Really okay. Don't, don't want to hear because feeling that I was thinking that instead of protecting my son from her, I mm. was creating more yeah, yeah. more danger in yeah. the relationship. Yeah. Um, so so I just went went home and I just the only thing that I just came to my mind and tried to to help me was remembering that I think Jesus said something like love your enemies. Uh -huh. And and that helped me. Yeah. I mean that that helped me a little bit and um and just something that you teach us here, like I felt in that moment that I was walking with that anger, I was contaminating the environment. Yeah. I was feeling that that it was you know, I was creating something that I don't want but it was difficult for me not mm. to you know, how to handle I mean it was so so hard. I mean, it was just, I remember everything she did to me, my mother, and trying to protect myself from there, but I don't know which part of the practice I am. I think I I'm a, I did something good because yeah, yeah, you did. I just calm myself and I feel better and I try to, instead of reacting to my anger, try to reach some kind of spiritual mm -hmm. tool mm -hmm. that helped me deal with that. Mm -hmm. Because in real life, it's hard. Because now in theory and meditating here sounds easy, but then just feeling that was horrible. Yeah. Now you mentioned something now that, that is the key to uh, dealing with anger. The key is distraction. You have to distract yourself. You have to somehow this very strong impression that's in your mind that is making you hold on to the anger, you have to somehow create another thought in the mind that is equally strong, that, that will help bring a different kind of mental, uh, a mental image, a different kind of mental attitude. So when you, when you, uh, when you thought about Jesus said, uh, love your enemies, so that was a distraction. Love your enemies. And now your mind is thinking about love rather than talking about thinking about uh, uh, she did this, she did that, I remember this, I remember that. So that's what it says in, in, uh, in the Dharmapada, that uh, uh, w the, what you allow your mind, what you allow your mind to entertain will direct what kind of a, what, what, what kind of a, how you will react to others and what kind of a, 
uh, what kind of a result you have in, you will have in life. So it depends on what you just allow your mind to associate with. If you remember, oh, she did this to me, she did that to me, she did this to this person, she did that. If that's what your mind is holding onto, it's natural for you for for anger to come up. But if you can distract the mind from thinking this did to me, this did to me, and you just think of whatever, uh, and and you're able to hold on to that other thing, then you would have uh, gotten rid of the anger. But the key, though, to dealing with any klesha is to really see it. Somebody was saying something. Oh, I said I just didn't hear the way you said any oh. any what. Any klesha, any uh, mental affliction. Okay. The key to deal with any mental affliction, no matter what it is, whether it is anger or whatever, it is to see it. The main reason that these mental afflictions have power over us because we don't really see them. We are we are, we allow ourselves to be deluded by the promises that they make, and we, when we have faith in the promises that they make, okay without examining whether or not this affliction can really deliver the, what it's promising. And all you have to do is just look at it. And to look at it, uh-oh, look at this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to connect. <laughs> 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 what I missed last week, what Christopher was teaching, begins with that. Just pure mindfulness. Being aware of what's going on in your mind whenever whatever is going on. Just being aware of it without uh, being, uh, being uh, overwhelmed by it, by allowing yourself to identify with it. Just look at it. If you allow yourself to just see anger, just for what it is, and when you see it, uh, as you, when, you, when you see what else it's doing to your mind, and when you see that it's not really delivering what it's promising, it's actually, promi- it's actually delivering the opposite of what's promising. Then you, you will naturally start to feel empowered to stop it when it's, when it's taking over your mind. And the only reason that it, uh, it really grabs onto your mind is because you believe, some part of you absolutely believes that it's going to give you something good. Okay? As long as there's that belief, it's going to stay there. It's going to be difficult to disengage from it. But when you have, when you just allow, don't, uh, in the beginning, don't even try to do any tricks. Just look at it. Okay? The reason that you're asked to stay away from it, the reason that you're asked, uh, the reason that you're told that uh, it's not a good thing to have in your mind is because uh, someone allowed themselves to observe what this thing does to the mind. Okay, and if you allow yourself to do the same thing, you will come up with the same conclusion. And you could even uh, uh, begin this investigation by not even uh, thinking that anger is wrong. Just go and say, wait a minute, some part of me believe that this thing is, I should have anger as, as, as some benefit. Let me see if that's true. And don't think that somehow you're, uh, you're, you're being um, uh, uh, you're being uh, you're not being spiritual sometime, somehow you're, you're committing some sort of sin just because you're, you're questioning is anger really bad for me? Okay, Just question it and, and allow your mind to see it for what it really is rather than just throw at it things that you've heard about it Okay, maybe you're that unique being that uh, anger actually really gives the <laughs> benefit that it promises. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so far, we haven't found that being yet, but you know, you might be that unique being. <laughs> okay. But uh, but approach it with that openness of mind. Okay. Uh, and this the idea of just allowing your mind to see what's there. It's not just uh, um, you know some very basic. It's not just some kindergarten kind of a tool. It's a tool that will allow you to one day see the true nature of reality directly. If you keep holding onto your mind what the nature of reality is supposed to be, rather than just allow it to present itself to you 
from your practice of uh, having trained yourself in practicing mindfulness, then you will, you will never be able to see the true nature of reality. All you will see is your idea of what it's supposed to be, and then the frustration will continue because no transformation is taking place. I understand it perfectly. I read it, it was in that book, and then that teacher said it, and that's how, it, that's how it's supposed to be, and that's what I believe it to be. And yet, no transformation is taking place. Okay? If you want transformation to take place, you have to study a lot and then drop everything that you've learned. <laughs> okay? And just allow the mind to just see what's just there. Okay? Become, let your mind become very um, accustomed to mindfulness to the point where when you consciously intend to do the practice of mindfulness you experience a shift in your mind you actually, you actually experience your mind being mindful not imagining your mind being mindful but you actually experience it that your mind is being mindful and you stabilize yourself in this. And you start to just see the mind for what it is. You start to, then you start to categorize things because of what the, the seeing what they actually do to you. These things are wholesome. These things are not wholesome. These things are neutral. Okay? If I have this thing, it doesn't matter. If I have this thing, this, uh, I, I have this kind of uh, reaction. If I have this thought in my mind, I have this kind of reaction. And just seeing this will help you become free of any of those states of mind that holds, that have power over you. Okay? The only reason that they have power over you is because of that conviction that they, can, that they have a benefit to give you. That's the only reason that they have power over you. But when you really see that they don't have they're not providing those benefits, then that power is, is no longer there. Then it's like uh, the power is back to you again. Okay? Then, when that person comes or when that situation comes where anger it would have been the natural uh, uh, response, you say, wait a minute, what do I want from this? Anger is not going to help me solve, help me uh, get any benefit from this. Because you've seen what anger really does. Okay? Then, you're able to now, because you see that this is deep-seated, this is a, 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 it's not just, you know, just that thought at that moment, there's a, 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 a energy, a, a pattern of energy that is somehow making you react this way. Then you have to use that same power of mindfulness, and then to, while you're in that power, while you're in that state, to start now uh, use uh, antidotes to deal with this so that you can now start to at least make it not come up anymore even though the seed may still be there then to start and the only way to uproot the seed altogether we all know that you have to see the nature of all things the true nature of, of reality and it's the same mindfulness you want to see the true nature of reality master mindfulness master seeing what's there rather than create what you would like to, 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 be, to be there. Or have the delusion that what's, what's happening in front of you is something else. Okay? Then, when you're able to bring yourself to that state of mind, then you can start using those very exotic antidotes where imagination is a, plays a very important, a very important role then those imagination becomes real tools that actually bring about a transformation rather than something that just continues to create more delusion. That's part of the danger of, of the Vajrayana path where the very tool itself just perpetuates the very condition that you're trying to get away from. Okay? And all that is mindfulness. And while you're using 
your imagination, mindfulness is there. Very powerful and hold and, and controlling the, the, the show. Okay. And if any of you have had any initiations and into any secret uh, teachings, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Start practicing secrecy. Secrecy in a sense of this is sacred, this is complex. I shouldn't uh, 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 go around telling, letting people know. Oh, but no, no I, I got that initiation the other day. Okay. Yeah. Or no, I mean, right now I'm doing. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing, uh, doing sadhanas. <laughs> okay. Right. And whatever is connected with that, you should keep it secret also. Okay. And that very uh, momentum, that very culture that you're developing with the secrecy, that itself would have a power in helping you what? Stabilize your mindfulness, make it powerful, and then make and, and allow you to come in contact with very powerful tools to do what? To get rid of mental afflictions once and for all. Okay. Whether you're following a path that takes three countless eons, whether you're following a path that takes seven lifetimes, 14 lifetimes, whether you're following a path that takes one lifetime, what are you doing? You're cutting the root of mental afflictions. It's the same job. Just different tools to achieve the same result. Okay? And if the tool is too heavy for you to carry, you're only going to hurt yourself with it. And instead of helping yourself deal, uh, get rid of the problem, you only want to be creating another problem. And instead of strengthening yourself and advancing so you can eventually use that tool, you're actually making yourself not able to use that tool. Okay. I remember uh, something I said a while ago. Uh, the fastest way, the fastest path is, that's it, remember something like that? What's the fastest path? Don't make mistake. Well, not quite. It's also the slowest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The fastest path is what seems to be the slowest path. Just take your time. And if all you're doing is just master, taking your time to master just one thing, and as soon as you master that thing, then you start speeding. But if you trying to deal with something that you don't have the capacity for, you can spend many lifetimes so-called practicing something that seems to be high and not even reaching, not even taking one step uh, 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 ahead. Okay? So, don't, uh, if you feel anxious to do something about your, your, your samsaric condition, that's beautiful. This anxiety is a result of good deeds that you've done in the past. Now don't let delusion come in and take over this beautiful energy and then make you do stupid things. Okay? Use the, use the anxiety to do what is your very next step. Channel that anxiety towards that very next step. If that very next step is just watching the breath, then channel it just towards that. If it's remembering what are the three jewels and trying to really understand, uh, get a, a real experiential understanding of that, then channel it towards that. Okay? Don't go running and taking initiations here and there, thinking that somehow the initiations by themselves <laughs> will somehow make you reach enlightenment in one lifetime. Okay? The initiations, these high practice, by themselves will not take you to Buddhahood. <laughs> if that is confusing, because of what's it, what I may have said earlier, that's good. <laughs> Confusion is good sometimes. <laughs> okay. Uh, question about this altar. 
who knows the history of this altar? Not altar in general, but this altar. Some okay. students of Hector Marcel's. Hector Marcel? Okay. Um, they gave it, they made it as a gift for him. Okay. And for the regionals. Okay. And all the different uh, things that are there, they came from different students? Okay. Good. An altar is a very uh, personal thing, also. Okay. And when you're in the Vajrayana, <laughs> you know, sometimes you go to, uh, you go to some uh, people's houses who have taken initiations, and then they, you know, they put their altar right at the entrance or something like that for everybody you could see. So they say, oh, look at that. They must be doing Vajrayana. Look at all those things on that altar. <laughs> there shouldn't be any sign whatsoever that there's any Vajrayana connected with it. Okay. If you've shown any sign that you have some sort of Vajrayana connection, then your Vajrayana is not working. <laughs> okay. There should be no sign whatsoever. And when you're supposed to do your stuff, then you take them out and then you, ex you expose them and then when you finish, put them, put them away. Okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> I really talked today. Then. <laughs> uh, so, uh, one, two, and people do that to me, so I'm going to do it to you. <laughs> so this is the second request. <laughs> so, <laughs> to please uh, teach the method that you you give the I, don't know, I guess an introduction or okay. a good feeling for okay. Second, before the class ends, that'll be the third request. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So now we can use it. Right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not giving you a transmission. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. to stop because it's, you know, it's time to stop. Uh, I don't know what you're going to meditate on. <laughs> you must have many things to meditate on. Uh, oh. Well, I said we were going to meditate on Mahamudra, and I left this, this messenger who's got a really important message to deliver, and I said, it's a really important message, and we're going <laughs> to, are you ready for it? <laughs> okay. That's where we left off. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> So after you've uh, settled yourself into your into your posture, and to help stabilize this, observe five cycles of breath. to the crown of your head and try to bring that sense of the sense of uh, the mental state that you arrived at with there's a very important message for you and it's above your head and create a sense of being prepared for this message. 
bring yourself to that state of preparedness until you actually can feel a physical presence a physical sensation at the crown of your head and continue to ascribe to that sensation an important message and don't create what that message is supposed to be but let just let, let yourself be open to whatever that message may be your own pace whenever you feel sufficiently prepared sufficiently ready try to bring that very sensation through the crown of your head into your heart center and let the message open itself by just really letting your mind be completely open and whatever experience you have don't grasp onto any and don't chase away any Being aware of the level of tranquility within which you are experiencing and find within you a genuine sense of compassion for others and let the compassion itself direct this tranquility radiating it out to the object of your compassion and bringing to those beings that same sense of tranquility
holding on to a genuine sense of compassion. Make a dedication. attention back to your breath and through the awareness of the breath become aware of the body again Enjoy the uh, weekend and Monday and what else? Okay, sorry, new, new uh, tradition, not quite new. <laughs> it's all over the place. Uh, no more prostration at the very end to be auspicious continuous auspiciousness so we can see each other again okay <laughs> <All right. laughs> 